Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast for today's episode that is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Frank, the bubble bucks are a thing. They're down in Disney, they've practiced, and I have to say, it feels pretty good to see the Bucks Twitter. Uh, you know, pumping out some photos, some videos. Giannis is dunking again. Uh, they've done a pretty good job. Uh, I guess like we've had to try and do, going back in history, some evergreen content to keep the uh, keep the channels rolling. But the Bucks are actually down there and practicing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, we haven't seen all of the Bucks, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. I think there's, uh, you know, we're all kind of playing this game of uh, figuring out like, okay, where, where's, you know, like Eric Bledsoe. I haven't seen any. Signs yeah. of life. I haven't seen a picture of Eric Bledsoe with today's newspaper over the past week or two. Um, and I, I'm trying to think who else. I haven't, I haven't seen Connaughton. Uh, Corver, I don't think I've seen. Um, who else am I missing? We have seen Sterling, both Lopez's, obviously Giannis, Chris. Um, I think George Hill I saw wearing a mask. Uh, Dante. We saw Dante and all his catch-up uh, from, from there. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it is interesting. Um, I think there was an acknowledgement that not all of the trapping party uh, went down there together. And obviously, I think the biggest concern is, you know, there was one person. And again, there's been no official mention if it is a player or staff um, who, I guess, was put into quarantine for COVID. Uh, and so obviously, that's, you know, your everyone's biggest concern that that person obviously gets healthy and Obviously, if it's a player, then obviously, you know, the bar is much higher, right? To not only be recovered and, and not, um, you know, not still have uh, the virus, but, but also be able to play, which, um, you know, as much as we haven't really heard, you know, indications of guys that have gotten sick who have had really long lingering issues. But um, I think Marcus Smart mentioned, I think, when, you know, he got it in March during that initial wave. And he, he mentioned it took him quite a while, I think, to get back. Um, kind of his full fitness. And I think there are a lot of stories about, you know, normal people who uh, even when they, you know, supposedly clear the virus um, continue to have issues. So I think that's obviously your biggest concern. And, um, you know, uh, it's a weird position because, uh, you know, normally we get injury reports because there's games happening and you get updates and things like that. But, you know, we're still at least, I guess, a couple weeks away from, a re- you know, real games. and. Um, and so I, I don't know exactly how they'll be handling it, right? And I think we're all sort of in that uh, that new territory where, you know, it's, again, uh, as we say so often, we're, we're in uncharted territory. And we don't know um, if and when we'll find out who from the Bucks. Uh, it seems like just one person actually contracted the illness, but, you know, were other people put into quarantine out of 
caution? I don't know, but obviously not, not everybody we've seen down in Orlando just yet. Yeah, it's a good point you make right at the end. I had a couple of people um, DM me uh, over the weekend uh, on Twitter saying, well, what have you heard about Bledsoe? And I said, well, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. And we, we jump in on these virtual press conferences and it's, there's really no follow-up to the question, hey, which players are there and which aren't? And then Bud will say, we're not discussing that. There's really no follow-up from that. You, you sort of have to resort to the sort of detective work that we've seen Bucks fans doing over the weekend. But the last point you make is uh, the important one here. Uh, just because maybe some players aren't there doesn't necessarily mean anything. We know that they've been doing one-on-one workouts at the practice facility, but maybe uh, they were within close contact of someone that tested positive. Again, I mean, it's all speculation. So I personally am trying to just like not worry about that. And we'll just see what plays out over the next few weeks here. There's so many variables. And again, uh, obviously, number one, it's uh, we don't know. I mean, we don't want anyone to get the virus because we don't know how this is going to affect them. So the health is the number one thing. Just a quick note, Rajon Rondo out for six to eight weeks with a hand injury. He's going in for surgery. It looks like that happened during practice, not in his Motel 6 uh, room that he's been really struggling uh, to live down in Disney, but a serious hand injury for Rajon Rondo, which is uh, obviously, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is it a blow for the Lakers? <laughs> we, we spoke about Rondo a little bit a couple of weeks ago. He was certainly pretty erratic against the Bucks, but another rotation player down for the Lakers. So. Uh, certainly unfortunate for them. But we were going to get to the mailbag today, Frank. It's It's been a while. These questions have been just sitting there, uh, just percolating for a, little, a few weeks here. I've split this up into two separate mailbags. The Giannis questions and the rest of the Bucks questions because we've got a bunch of Giannis questions. We're going to get to that next time. Today, we're going to focus on the rest of the Bucks. I went back a couple of weeks ago and just answered a couple of the questions. We had some audio from the press conferences so uh, that, that tied into those questions, particularly around Bledsoe and the playoffs. So if you missed that, you can go back and find that episode pretty easily. This first question, I, I sort of gave some, gave some thoughts about this. So I want to throw this to you first, Frank. It comes from John Leonard. He says, had the season not concluded or if the planned playoffs are completely halted due to an outbreak, would you consider the Bucks the 1920 NBA champs Due to having the best record, no, unfortunately, no. I, I, I mean, um, you know, it's interesting with uh, obviously leagues in different sports around the world being disrupted. Um, you know, I think some leagues. I think the Dutch soccer league just pretty much ended their year, and I don't even think they crowned a champion, mm-hmm. um, which I found kind of surprising, uh, considering you know, like a soccer league. You know, it's basically regular season. It's regular season only, right? So. Um, I remember thinking, well, you know, you can always just end these seasons now and just say whoever was winning at the time, you know, assuming that they have the same number of games played and, you know, there's not like some, something uh, amiss there, then, then you could say, well, you know, that, that's, who, that's who won the championship. But um, in the NBA, any other league where there's a playoffs, I, you know, I don't, you can't, right? I think fundamentally um, without some version of the playoffs, and, and I don't know, you know, again, we talk about asterisks and what's, what deserving of, what's deserving of an asterisk and what's not. Um, I think the pot, I mean, I agree with the general sentiment that I think has been flying around Giannis kind of famously saying, you know, this was <laughs> going to be as deserved as any championship, given how hard the circumstances are going to be. Um, you know, I'd probably lean more towards, towards that into the sense of, uh, I, I don't know. I don't really get the sense that people are saying that, you know, whoever wins is not going to be, um, you know, that's going to be somehow a tainted championship. Um, I think it is going to be very different though, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you basically have had a full off season off <laughs> since, 
since what was played last year. So I think that's obviously going to be interesting. Um, and I think, I, I think it depends also on who wins, right? I mean, I think if the Bucks, Lakers or Clippers win this championship, then I think it'll be viewed as a much more like, yes, that was the correct outcome given kind of, cause it would fit sort of into what we were expecting and who looked like championship contenders during the regular season and kind of leading up to everything versus if, you know, whoever, you know, pick, pick some other kind of more random, you know, if the Denver Nuggets win the championship, then we'll probably look back on this. And, you know, if there's a bunch of people that, you know, if, you know, and I won't say the name of our favorite player, but, you know, if, if people like get coronavirus and have to miss games and playoff series are, you know, thrown into a question because of, of that, obviously, then I think that will obviously impact the way things are viewed. But um, hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, hopefully you know, we would probably both say that we expect someone at some point will probably test positive. It's just probably the reality of this bubble or not. Um, but you just hope that obviously people can stay as safe as possible. And that from a you know selfish sporting perspective that, um, you know, not, the, the, the competition is not, you know, overly impacted by, um, by something like that. So, but, but yeah, I would say the way the NBA is constructed too much depends on the playoffs. So, um, you know, if it, and if this season still doesn't happen, right? If this, something derails um, the bubble uh, in Orlando, then I think we'll walk away saying nobody won the championship, and you know the Bucks' fifty-three win season or whatever they end up with, you know, officially, uh, you know, will just be a, a random relic of of the weirdest season in NBA history. Totally agree. That was kind of where I sat on this. Uh, there's no payoff. First of all, there's no playoff. Yeah. A payoff so you you can't really feel like you won the championship and if the bubble never got going then you're talking three months later so as you sort of said it doesn't make any sense to me but there was a nice follow-up and shout out to brian gago for hitting us up on the gmail frank i mean you 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 are the owner of the gmail you haven't uh, given me permission for the password Uh, maybe maybe i actually don't want the password that might be i don't i don't remember it to be honest (laughs) it just automatically logs in for me i need to I need to see what my Google, uh, you know, account password manager says it is. I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out now while, while you're setting this up. I think it's like uh, JJ Reddick rules or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. With the Z. Rules exactly. with the Z. <laughs> but the question is, and this is, this is a nice follow-up. If slash when the Bucks win the championship this year, will it feel as good as it would have uh, if the season wasn't interrupted by the pandemic? Now, of course, there's plenty of factors that play into this because even if they win the championship... Uh, are you flying from Texas to Fiserv Forum to be there for Game 7 of the NBA Finals? No. Uh, is there celebrations all over the city of Milwaukee? Uh, well, maybe, actually. That, that's actually something that may still happen. But uh, it, it's interesting because it is going to, going to feel pretty different. I, I guess at this point, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, we don't know how we're going to feel. Okay, Frank, this podcast is brought to you by Rock Autos. Let's hear a little bit more about our great sponsors rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online and they've been doing so for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as they are for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box today now we sent you. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, 
all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, I mean, I, that that was my first thought was, um, you know, if, if you're a fan who is going to have, you know, season tickets and, and have tickets to every home playoff game, then, I mean, there's no way that it can be as enjoyable having to watch every game on TV, right? Like, that's just the nature, I think, of, of sports. Now, for someone like me, who uh, I would have flown back for at least a couple playoff games, but I'm not living in Milwaukee, I can't go to every game. Um, it's obviously less of a big deal because my personal experience will, will not be as impacted. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think th- that would be the obvious reason to feel like, you know, it's, it would be less of a celebration. Um, but to, you know, the aspect of this about, you know, feeling like more of a celebration, you know, sort of to Giannis's point, the roller coaster that it's taken as a fan just to get to this point and with all the things going on, you know, in our world, in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, um, that kind of, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to not feel great about the year 2020. Right. Um, and to, uh, to have something like a championship to kind of cut through that, uh, and deliver, you know, some dose of positivity, I think would obviously be, be very welcome, uh, compared to, to a regular year. And, you know, with all the, um, you know, with all the, the talk that we've had to listen to, idle speculation during this suspension of the season about Giannis and all that, um, you know, I think my um, my hunger for a championship has certainly not diminished any. Uh, and I think just seeing any basketball back what's gonna be, is going to be amazing. So, um, so yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's going to be so weird when the games get started because we've been talking about, you know, essentially just the idea of basketball for so long that I, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. Um, but it's kind of weird. I think, I think once I turn on the games, um, and, and, you know, Dustin Godsey on our pod a few weeks back, kind of a reference, he made reference to that, you know, they're going to try to make these games feel more like home and away games, maybe than people think, um, or, or maybe expect. And so I I don't know. I I think, I don't think it's going to be quite as weird as we're assuming it's going to be. I think we'll, I think we're going to get used to it is what I guess what I'll say. And I think ultimately, you know, it's going to be basketball will be basketball and, you know, guys are probably going to be a little rustier at, at first. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if the Bucks do win, um, I think it's going to be just an immensely amazing feeling for us as fans. And again, maybe not as amazing as it could be if, you know, you're able to go to games and, you know, uh, pack the deer district and do all those things that we would expect in normal years. But um, I don't know. We'll see. It's that, that, that potential thing is still a few months out. So um, I'd also don't want to get too, too far ahead of ourselves. So from a purely selfish point of view, it's going to be, it's going to suck a little bit for me because at, at the time I thought, you know, I'd be there for another playoff run. So like many bucks fans from that point of view, it's going to be a little bit different. The only thing that I can really compare it to. And you guys have heard me talk about Australian footy returning and the crowds have been down in some States. Now they're getting some crowds back, which is bringing back a little bit of normalcy, but they've actually removed the game completely from my state right now, as we go through our own uh, troubles at the moment. And I remember before the season started me thinking, why are they playing? This seems pointless. I'm not really going to enjoy this as much. There's going to be no crowd. It's going to be weird. And it took me five minutes into the first game to be all in. Absolutely emotionally invested, all in on on them winning the game. So I have no doubt 
from me watching my team in Australian football that once the games start, I'm going to be like, okay, this is sports. This is what we've been waiting for. I really miss basketball. So I, I think that it, it'll be strange from the physical aspect of not being there, not being able to celebrate as you normally would. But I, I don't think uh, Bucks fans are going to mind too much. I think that they'll be celebrating pretty damn hard if the Bucks win the title. Next question. I really love this question. We were laughing a lot talking about this one before we started recording. It comes from AA Ron Wolf. He says, What non all star from Bucks history would you choose to add to the 2020 team? Do you want to? We, we, we were throwing around uh, some interesting names. Have you settled on a couple? Where do you, where do you want to go with this? Well, I guess the, from a thought process standpoint, I, my immediate thought was to think about like what. Uh, rather than just think about great player, like the best yeah. non-All-Stars in Bucks history, but to instead think about it from the perspective of, you know, what kind of players would actually be useful for the Bucks. Um, and so my thought was uh, guard slash shooting, like shot creator slash um, shooter type, type players. Um, and it was interesting because my first thought was, wait a minute, Sam Cassell never made an All-Star team, did he? But no, he actually did. He was 34 years old. Uh, in Minnesota when he made an all-star team. So by, I think by the way we were thinking about it, uh, if you made an all-star team at any point in your career, then you, you no longer count as someone that you can pick. Unfortunately, that also rules out Jamal McGlure. Uh, sadly, we can't put Jamal McGlure on our on our. Hey, by, the, by the way, 34, 34 years old for your, your first uh, and lone all-star selection, uh, that has to be right up there in terms, of, in terms of the oldest players to get their first all-star berth. Yeah, that's that's uh that's not um that's not a typical uh a typical type type yeah. age to, to first make an all star team. Um so for sure that that's a bit bit odd. Um but uh yeah, Kyle Corver, by the way, uh is on the box, so we don't have to use him anyway. But I think he was probably thirty two, thirty three when he mm-hmm. made his first all star team. Um I guess that was twenty fourteen. Um so so anyway, yeah, another old old all star. Um, but anyway, so we were thinking a bit about guards, um, and I was trying to think like, who are the non non elites, but like good guards that, and, and I keep thinking like, well, we probably, I'm probably gonna forget somebody, but obviously, you know, Ray Allen was an all-star. Um, the, uh, 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 Terrell Brandon, I thought of was, was Terrell Brandon an all-star? Yes. He was an all-star before he came to Milwaukee. So can't pick Terrell Brandon. Um, uh, so yeah, we were kind of bouncing around, uh, a bit. Not, not really able to think. I wanted somebody who could really shoot or create off the dribble. Um, so you, you actually thought of someone that, and, and I, I couldn't bring myself to go with Brandon Jennings. Um, <laughs> yeah, we also confirmed Monte Alice also never made an all-star team. So yes, uh, the, the swag twins or whatever we were calling them. Did we, did we ever have a proper name for the nickname for those guys? I, we probably did. I just have like erased it from my memory. Um, neither of them made an all-star team. I, I just, had a hard time kind of getting to the point of, of picking either one of those guys. Um, I, I don't, neither of those qualify as a shooter. That's for sure. Uh, but you, you remembered a name that I never would, I, I would not have thought of, uh, but who definitely is a shooter has not made an all-star team and would be obviously a very interesting pick a guy who uh, actually, you know, had um, uh, ha- ha- was connected with the box as well, or in the trade sort of like, light 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 lightly rumored as a trade target um this year as well who was that well i already mentioned him on the podcast as jj reddick we remember yeah. he had that, that classic 
Yeah, speaking of Brandon Jennings, he's a part of that classic playoff run that saw the Bucks sweeped by the Heat. Uh, JJ Redick, though, when you really think about it, even this version of JJ, this season, uh, Redick is shooting 45% from three, and you could just see him. If he was playing beside Giannis in this system, five out spacing, his ability to, to shoot off the dribble, his ability to move without the ball and shoot off the catch, I mean, he just would be a deadly player. Uh, playing in this system. So JJ Redick for sure was one of the first guys that came to mind for me. But you're right. I mean, it was such a forgettable stint with Milwaukee that you kind of push that from your memory. But there's no doubt he would be a guy that would fit like an absolute glove. Whether you take Redick from five years ago or you take the veteran version, uh, he would be playing a a pretty heavy role, I would suggest, on this team. Another guy that I thought of, and you talk about uh, likable rotation players that... Uh, have been on the Bucks in recent times. I, I You mentioned Brandon Jennings. I actually said Tony Snell, but I said veteran, uh, like minimum contract Tony Snell style. I mean, remember, he would probably still be here if he wasn't paid so much money and he was traded away to the Pistons and then the Bucks got John Lua back and stretched that contract to get themselves out of a bit of a, a snag last summer. But Tony Snell, I mean, he shoots threes, popular in the locker room. But let's be honest, he's not causing any problems. He hardly talks. So he would be the guy that if the Bucks were going to win a title... <laughs> They were going to win a title. Tony Snell, man. I mean, I'd love to see him be a part of the Bucks. But two other guys that I mentioned before we uh, move on, Mirza Toledovic and Nikola Miritic. Miritic was there last year in the postseason. Was uh, bad, bad. Came back from injury, got an untimely thumb injury, never recovered. But if you talk about the system and guys that can play the four, back up the four, uh, shoot threes and get you quick points, Miritich was one of those guys that we thought. I mean, there's a reason why we thought he was going to be such a great fit for the Bucks, And Mirza Toledovic as well. We know he had to retire due to the medical uh, condition that he had. But back in 2017-18, he was shooting 47% from three in the 10 games that he did play, uh, his last 10 games in the NBA in the end. But uh, just, a, just a few names. But so that was a pretty fun question. Yeah, and, uh, you know, other very good players, uh, it's, it's funny because I wasn't even sure, you know, like you think about the one all-star criteria. Um, Ricky Pierce was a guy I thought of, but mm. he actually did make an all-star team um, uh, in, in 1991, um, the year that, that he was traded um, to, uh, to, the, to the Sonics. Um, he was obviously, you know, you think about a guy who would be like a six-man, like super scoring sub. Ricky Pierce would do that, but nope, he's not, he doesn't qualify. Um, Paul Pressey was never an all-star and huh. I would say one of the, you know, better, better players in Bucks history, a guy who I, I again, I don't think he's ever going to get his Jersey retired, but I think is at least, you know, at least in that conversation. Um, but, you know, again, was not a shooter, you know, was not a floor stretcher. Um, so, you know, again, if we're going to take the question really seriously and um, you know, think of it from the perspective who is going to, uh, you know, have the biggest impact if you slot him into, to this team, um, you know, probably, probably less of an impact. Uh, Michael Red did make one all-star team, so he doesn't count if anybody was, you know, interested in, uh, in doing that. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm sure, um, you know, people, people might have some other ideas. I'm sure we've, we've probably forgotten somebody who is, uh, yeah, no be worth, <laughs> worth including. Um, we were joking about, uh, before we started, uh, Del Curry, you know, great, great shooter, obviously. Uh, Actually held the Bucks single season three point percentage record until George Hill shot forty eight percent this year. Dell was at forty seven point six percent in hey, eighty in ninety eight ninety nine. Still time, and uh, and of course he would only fuel the uh, Steph to MKE hashtag Steph to MKE yeah, yeah. Uh, rumors further if you could throw a, <laughs> if you threw <laughs> if you threw Dell in here. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's a fun, it's a fun question. I think it's, especially because it makes you think about what the Bucks would hypothetically need and how that type of player might, might fit into, uh, into what the Bucks have right now. Time for a quick break here. And before we get to that, I got to let all our listeners know about our friends over at Bobbles Galore. Bobbles Galore is the leading bobblehead retailer in the country. They have a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all major sports leagues, including our teams, the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks, officially licensed by the NBA, MLB, and NFL. Right now, they have a limited quantity. Giannis, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yelich, MVP Wisconsin Puzzle Bobblehead. And as an extra for Bucks fans, they also have the Giannis Greek flag bobblehead. So you can't you can't get enough Giannis bobbleheads. Let's be honest. There isn't it isn't possible for everyone to have enough Giannis bobbleheads in their collection. So make sure you check that one out. Bobbles Galore can also make custom bobblehead for any occasion or event. Visit www.bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive free shipping. That's www.bobblesgalore.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive free shipping. Yeah, shout out to Bucks Twitter. They have been rolling lately. They have been putting up some good stuff. And uh, listen, I always appreciate it. If you, you know, Bucks fans, they've copped a lot over the years. You know, I love it. If they can go back and fire up some other fan bases, which they've certainly been able to do at times, I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. And, and Chris Melton has been the talk of Twitter the last couple of days. Uh, he's getting a bit of respect, which is good because this next question involves Chris. It comes from Josh Semro. He asks, after coming back, from almost a full off-season's worth of time, is it more important for Chris Middleton to keep up his 50-40-90 shooting or for Brooke Lopez to get back up around 35% from three? Uh, where do you sit on this one? Both would be nice. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, let me ask you first, uh, how are you interpreting this question? Are you interpreting it as, like, you know, Brooke to get in the final eight games to statistically up his season average from 29.6% to 35% and Chris to get back to 50, 40, 90, or are you interpreting this more as both of those guys? Like, do you want them, do you want Brooks shooting that percentage in the playoffs or do you want yeah. uh, Middleton doing that in the playoffs? Like how do how did you read that? Because I think the answer probably depends a little bit on, on your interpretation of the question. Yeah, I'm talking. I mean, like, like scrap the eight games. I, I don't care about the eight games. I'm talking about through the, uh, through the, through the postseason. That's certainly the way I read it. So, over the course of the what we hope is is four rounds of playoffs, do you want Lopez at thirty five, uh, or you know to stay where he was, or Middleton to have a bit of a slump? What how deep that slump is, I don't know. Or or him to stay fifty forty ninety. That's how I took it through the postseason. Yeah, so um, I, I think if it's like you want one of those guys to do one of those things through the postseason, I think it's pretty easy. I would say you want uh, Chris to do fifty forty ninety through the postseason because. Um, you know, Brooke is a complimentary offensive player and the three point shooting is one aspect of his game. Obviously it's a very important aspect of his game. But um, if you knew that Chris Middleton was going to be, you know, all NBA Chris Middleton throughout the playoffs mm. with the defense ratcheting up the way it does in the playoffs, um, I think you would feel great about the Bucks title chances. And, and again, it's not because, you know, we necessarily think Chris Middleton is going to like choke in the playoffs, but it's like, 50, 40, 90 is absurd. Like 50, 40, 90 while, you know, shooting at the volume that he does and where he shoots from is an incredible line. And, you know, I think people, if you follow Twitter, you may have seen um, some tweets going around lately of like Middleton's shot chart this year. And it's literally just an ocean of green. Like he's just been 
great everywhere, <laughs> everywhere on the floor. And, um, you know, again, previous years, Chris also really good, but I mean, this is, you know, obviously a career year for him and, and he's absolutely playing. He's, he is, you know, shooting and, and scoring, um, at a rate that is entirely consistent with being a number two option on a team, especially when you throw in his, you know, the assists and some of the playmaking he does. So yeah, if you told me you get Chris, um, doing what he's doing, um, I think you absolutely do that. I think the only, um, the only, you know, the only other thing I'd add, um, is, you know, you look at, at Brooke, I mean, he's shooting five threes per game this year. Um, so, you know, you think about that, if he upped his two point percent percentage, 5%, you know, out of five, five shots, um, per, per night, you know, you're adding a quarter of a three made per night, which is, you know, 0.75 points. It's not, I mean, like uh, it adds up. That's, you know, over time, I'm not going to say that's not important, but you know, I think you just compare it to Chris shooting at kind of a historic level versus, you know, if he suffers some kind of drop off, um, that I think just makes a bigger difference and, and just especially just given the role on this team. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Similar to you. I, I think it's, it's more important for Middleton to continue that shooting run that he had just, I, I was curious though, because the numbers are interesting and it does sound nice to have Brooke Lopez back up around that 36% mark. I will say offensively when Lopez is hitting those threes, it does feel more like icing on the cake rather than uh, a necessity for the offense to run more. Whereas Chris Middleton playing well, uh, hitting shots does feel like it's more necessary for this Bucks offense to tick along. Chris Middleton in wins this year has averaged 21, six and four in losses. He's averaged 21, 5.5 and 3.5. So the numbers in wins and losses are very similar, but the shooting splits in wins, Middleton 52, 43, 90 in losses, 42, 37, 90, 91. So significant drop off in the shooting percentages for Chris Middleton when the Bucks lose. That's not coincidental. This guy, as good as Giannis is, Chris Middleton shooting to the level he did, contributed to so many Bucks wins. He was absolutely fantastic. And also in games where Giannis didn't play. So I think it's a no-brainer for the offense. Middleton, you would love him to keep that, that shooting percentages. You also understand how rare it was what he was doing. It was something that, that really... Uh, hardly any guys, have, I think five guys in the history of the game. So that's the level he was playing to. Brooke Lopez in wins this year shot 29% from three and in losses actually shot 32%. So uh, I think that's an indication there as well. Lopez, the value he brings to the team on offense is certainly the spacing. Uh, the guys still respect him out there, even though he wasn't shooting the threes. And of course, defensively, we know he's a monster. So you expect that the de- defensive side of Lopez's game is going to stay. So uh, I thought it was a pretty good question, but I, I do agree that for me, Chris Middleton is the guy uh, that if the Bucks want to win a championship, you're going to need him to have a pretty significant NBA final series. I don't think there's, there's any way around that. For sure. Next question, Sam underscore CT on Twitter. <laughs> this was also a pretty funny one. He says, who is one player currently in the NBA that you just have a hunch will end up in Milwaukee at some point? And I laugh when I read this because if you remember uh, back, if you've ever been someone that's, that's read the message boards, been you know, part of the blogging on Twitter, whatever social media it may be, Brooke Lopez was always a guy that, uh, th- that was linked to the Bucks or Bucks fans thought was going to be in Milwaukee or they really wanted him in Milwaukee. And that was back in his Brooklyn days. And then he went through this transition and then it was kind of weird that he ends up in Milwaukee, but he's a completely different player to what he was in Brooklyn when people thought uh, that they might want him on the team. So Lopez, I think, coming to Milwaukee was always destined to be the case. 
what other guys? Are you looking at anyone and saying, yeah, I could picture them in the Bucks uniform at some point? Well, he doesn't really fit the size profile the Bucks have gravitated towards in guards, but um, I feel like Eric Name and I, um, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Threw, <laughs> threw around the name DJ Augustine yeah, so many yeah. times over the years that um, it would make sense that you know uh, Augustine at some point here as his career sort of trails off that he would end up like you know signing like some small free agent deal and ending up being like the Bucks like backup point guard or third string point guard at a point when um, like he's not good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. you know of course he it would probably be at a point when, when he's not actually very valuable or, or useful in the boxing world but um but that was the first the first name that came to mind um i mean otherwise i think just you know you probably i don't know if, if there are other guys from bud's tenure in atlanta you know yeah. that you might look at and and the, the, that would probably make i mean cal corver obviously would, would kind of be uh, an obvious example of a guy that that played with bud in in atlanta um and uh and so you know would bud want to bring back you know one of his other one of his other guys like you know that that could certainly be a thing i mean some of the names obviously paul Millsap obviously was there um you know jeff teague dennis schroeder um i, I feel like schroeder is a guy you know it's funny you go back all the way to the 2013 draft the bucks picked Giannis, but i think there was a lot more talk about potentially looking at at schroeder as a point guard option uh up until draft night um so it would feel kind of fitting if at some point you know, he was brought in as like a bench scorer. Um, he's been very good in, in Oklahoma City, so not to say that, you know, he's on his way out or something there, but um, but he's he's a guy that, you know, again, I, I wouldn't want him as my starting point guard, but um, but uh, but certainly someone that, that you might think about. Um, I don't know. Anybody else that you can think of? Yeah, I'll pass on Jeff Teague. As soon as you started talking about the Hawks, that was the one guy I wanted to quickly say I'll pass on. But yeah, Schroeder's been fantastic, actually, playing that uh, sixth-man role. A chance to win the award this year and that Thunder team that's been playing pretty well. I had three guys. They're all veterans as well. So I think we were both thinking down the same line here. And I think that's because the Bucks have become this team. They have their superstar. They have another all-star. They're winning games. You, you normally associate that with picking up uh, still somewhat productive veterans that are like, yeah, I'll, I'll jump on. I'll play for the Bucks. You put yourself in a much better position to sign those guys. So I had three guys. They're all 31 currently. I'm not predicting that they're going to be playing with the Bucks anytime soon, but I could just see it at some point down the line. So Thad Young has always been someone that I looked at. Uh, he shoots the three a little bit. He's going to get to the point where he's going to say, I need to get out of Chicago. This is, this is terrible. I, I don't want to play here anymore. Maybe he just wants to uh, go down the road a little bit. Maybe he wants to come to Milwaukee, play with the Bucks. So he's been a guy that's uh, been defensive big, shoots the three, 36, 36% from three this year for the Bulls. The other one that I just like, Nemanja Bialica, 31 uh, years old now. Uh, $7 million non-guaranteed next year, so who knows what he's going to do there. It's a, if given the market, maybe he wants to uh, he wants to cash in on that. And the other guy that I've just always loved, Danilo Gallinari. He, he's he's going to be way out of the Bucks price range for this next contract. He's an unrestricted free agent this year, but I've always liked him. Liked him in Denver, liked him in New York, like him now. Uh, I'd love to see him on the Bucks at some point. Yeah, I mean, probably the, uh, you know, the, shooter savvy um yeah uh euro guys i feel like you know like spursy type guys you know i feel like guys that, that you could see the bucks the bucks going for for as well um how about patty mills you know oh. we need to we, we need to get some aussies back back in in the mix right maybe I patty said dante back in here yeah probably, maybe a little more speculative with, with dante Axon, but patty mills 
Um, you know, P- Patty Mills is basically like a better version of D- DJ Augustine at this point, right? Um, yeah. Just as far as a, just a deadly pull-up shooter. Um, we saw that in San Antonio when the Bucks played them this year. Um, he's obviously a guy that, uh, you know, I think would, would uh, be a nice fit off the bench as a scoring spark plug uh, for, for a team like the Bucks. Bring some of that off-the-dribble three-point shooting ability that, um, you know, you and I and Eric and you and I have talked about for, for a couple of years. So, uh, yeah, Spursy guys feel like guys the Bucks would, uh, would probably like to have. Yeah, $30 million next year for Patty, but then he's an unrestricted free agent. So maybe towards the deadline next year, keep an eye out. Uh, remember, uh, Bud and, and the Spurs have that connection as well. I reckon Pop would uh, very, very strongly push back against any trade for, for Patty. But uh, I have this feeling, Frank. I, I feel like we may have discussed this over time that I think the Bucks would be pretty interested in him. So that's definitely uh, an interesting name to bring up. And yeah, we need another Aussie back on the Bucks. Next question comes from BIX, Bix. I don't know. I don't know how uh, this person goes uh, about uh, that name. But looking back at Mark Pope's career, I don't know whether anyone thought we're getting a Mark Pope question on the mailbag, but if you did and you were wrong, does he have one of the strangest careers you can remember? Before and after his Bucks stints, he played in the CBA for a year. And when he was on NBA rosters, that weren't the Bucks. He never played more than six minutes per game for an average of 11 games each year. Uh, Mark Pope, what, what have you got to say about him? I, I can't remember. I mean, I wasn't watching him live very often. I actually reached out to him when I was doing that 2001 uh, podcast series and, and you know, seeing if he wanted to have a chat because remarkably, there's a lot of Bucks fans that asked about Mark Pope. He seems to, I don't know, he seems to be pretty popular. What's your take on this? I, I feel like the first thing to point out is that Mark Pope, really didn't play much for the the that year's Bucks team like you know he's like kind of one of those guys that you know the legend of Mark Pope type type thing yeah, yeah. um you know he averaged 15 minutes per game started 45 games played 63 total and then basically didn't play at all in the playoffs um I think he only averaged seven minutes per game in, in six games in the playoffs so uh you know really was not a, a key guy uh when you know the the postseason rolled around uh he only had three starts um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's just an example of a guy who just randomly stumbled into a role. Um, but it was not, you know, was not like a significant role, um, in, in terms of that 2000, 2001 season, it was just, you know, the, uh, the token start type thing, which it obviously was kind of strange, you know, historically or otherwise, you know, that a random dude starts, but doesn't play a lot of minutes. You know, we've seen it in, uh, in different situations, different guys kind of play the Keith Bogans. I always think of, I think our friend Nate Duncan always jokes about Keith Bogans being like one of these guys who would start games, but then didn't really play, um, didn't really play many minutes. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it, strange career in the sense that he's probably remembered by Bucks fans as having a much more significant role um, or being a much more prominent piece of that, you know, the, the that memorable 2001 team than he even actually was when, when you look back at it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, basically that was kind of it, and played forty-five games an extra for the Bucks, and then um, you know was pretty much out of the league thereafter. Only played thirteen more games um, after that. So uh, yeah, strange, strange career, but you know, kind of just you know popped up, had a little bit of an opportunity, and then then disappeared again, which you know, I think is not as maybe as as uncommon uh, historically as as maybe uh, might seem at first, but. Um, He's definitely a guy who uh, will probably be remembered by far more people than your average player who's only played 100 and, 
you know, 53 games and I don't even know how many minutes he played in his career, but I'd say, I'd say his, his, uh, his name recognition with Bucks fans will always be far higher than you would expect a guy who played, you know, 1300 total minutes in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's crazy. He started 45 games in that 2001 season, but there was actually 10 players on that Bucks roster that started at least 10 games. And in the big man department, there was Tim Thomas started 16, Irvin Johnson, 19, Jason Caffey, uh, 33, Scott Williams, 31, and then Mark Pope had 45. And, and Joel Prisbilla as well started 13. So uh, they, they were definitely uh, willing to shuffle that around a little bit. Some of that was with injury. I think Mark Pope in the playoffs was dealing with... Uh, some back issues there that were, that were pretty uh, limited for him. But yeah, no doubt. I mean, role player, um, very memorable, I, as I guess that whole entire 2001 uh, Bucks roster is. And speaking of the 2001 Bucks roster, George Carl coming back on, I'm going to chat with him on, I believe it's, it's Tuesday evening. So that would be Wednesday morning for me. So Wednesday's podcast, George Carl. So we're going to talk about the current day Bucks though, a little bit of Giannis. He wanted to talk about the bubble. So that's what we're going to do. Final question here, though, for today in this portion of the mailbag, Frank. It comes from at Petliker. It's directed straight at you. Uh, this person is, is asking you to go against uh, your favorite pizza shop. Will Frank try Jets Pizza already? So I, I haven't, but uh, again, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Texas right now. So it's, it's not because I'm refusing to try other pizza places. Um, I, I would happily try another pizza place cause I enjoy pizza. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's purely a logistical issue right now. Uh, I will promise the next time I'm in Milwaukee and I have no idea when that's going to be, but I will, uh, I will try Jets pizza. And obviously, um, if people listen to this, uh, let us know is Jets pizza, you know, worth, worth it. Um, and, and also I'm, I'm looking at their website, I guess. They, they have deep dish, they have New York style, they have thin crust. I'm assuming I'm supposed to get the deep dish, I'm, guess, I'm guessing. Um, they, have, they, they sell Detroit style pizza. I think that's why people brought it up to me because um, Rockies is kind of a little bit more in that vein. And um, my favorite pizza here in Austin is a place called Via 313, which is the area code for Detroit. So Detroit style pizza, I'm definitely a big fan of. So I, I assume I've got to try the Detroit style, but uh, yeah, th- throw me your, your pizza recommendations. If anyone has any others in the Milwaukee area, um, I will, uh, I'll gladly, you know, put on 10 pounds the next time in Milwaukee, just sampling pizza from, from all over the place. All right. So we finally got stuck into the mailbag here. We've still got plenty of questions to go. As I said, lots on Giannis. There's basically going to be a Giannis mailbag episode. So that's going to be coming very soon. So if we didn't get to your question, uh, no need to panic. We have them all here. And shout out to uh, the guys that sent them through on the email as well. Frank's got them locked and loaded, ready to go. So uh, we're going to get back to the mailbag when we can. Uh, I have to mention the Rejecting the Screen podcast with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stenko. Make sure you check that one out on the network. It's fantastic. I've said before, they've had Darvin Ham, Vin Baker. They've had some pretty good guests and certainly some Bucks-related contact uh, content over the hiatus. Frank? It's always good, good to catch up with you. It's particularly this late on a Sunday. It's midnight on a Sunday. You're a crazy man. Mm, I need to get some sleep. <laughs> All right. For everyone, uh, let's let Frank get some sleep. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll catch you guys then. <laughs>